Well, hey, good morning. To those in the room, it's good to see you. It's good to be with you. To those online, it's good to have you. It's good to be in your living room for a change. Uh, excited to be here this morning, and uh, our, our topic, even Blake just prefaced it for the series that we're heading into, uh, it's called A Weary World Rejoices. And uh, the trick is to say it three times as fast as you can, and make sure you're still saying the same thing on the third time. A weary world rejoices. Uh, is it possible to still have joy? To actually rejoice and to sing and to be happy and to be glad. Is it possible to do that while you're just exhausted? Is it possible? Uh, We're going to spend, we thought it was such a fitting uh, title for a series to kind of head into Christmas because this year has been a lot. And uh, not making any political statements, not saying anything one way or the other. I just saw this photo online and I thought it was funny. And so I wanted to share it with you. Uh, I saw this, it was on the side of the road. Has anyone tried unplugging the U.S. and then plugging it back in? I, I used to work at Apple. I worked at Apple before I was actually a pastor, and, and my favorite thing to do when somebody came in, they're like, my computer's broken, my phone is broken, my iPad's broken, whatever, and I just go, check this out. Off, on, and they go, wow, you fixed it. And I'm going, man, I'm good. I'm good. That's as far as my training went. That's as far as they took me. They went, we're going to teach you the reset. That's it. Don't, don't you, I mean, sometimes as you look at this year, don't you wish you could kind of just Okay, I've had enough. There's been so much change. There's been so much hardship. Maybe there's been so much loss. Whatever it is for you, don't you wish you could just go, time out. Can we just reboot? Can we just restart 2020? Can we just go back to January? Can we just do it, do it again? Now that I know what I know, that now that I've been through what I've been through, now that I've seen, now that I've heard, now that I've learned, whatever, don't, don't you wish you could kind of just go back and undo it? Let me ask it maybe this way. As you look back on 2020, if you could change one thing, what would it be? If you could change one thing about this year, what would it be? I got to admit, this was a really easy question to come up with and a really difficult one to answer. Because you know, my initial response is like, oh man, just, just get rid of COVID, get rid of the virus, get rid of that. But man, it, the more I kind of stepped back and looked, it, it kind of seemed like what that did this year is scoop the whole top layer of junk off so you could see what was underneath it. As far as people goes, as far as church goes, as far as our country goes and division, it's like sometimes you like knowing that you have cancer if you have cancer. You know what I mean by that? Like you you like knowing or you like seeing, hey, there is a problem that's just been displaying itself in different ways. In some ways, I go, I'm happy for that, but but I'm not happy for the death. I'm not happy for the loss. I'm not happy for, for all that. But if I can only change one thing, what what would I change? And you know what's funny? I think this is true of me. I think this is true of all of us. Uh, probably our natural inclination or the answer that bubbles up to the surface first is selfish in nature. It's probably about us. It's probably something we could change, something we could undo. Maybe it's, man, I wish I would have pulled money out of the stock market. Maybe you go back and go, I wish I would have put money into the stock market. Maybe you wish I would have had one more conversation with that loved one. Maybe, maybe you would change something. You would quit your job. You would buy a new house. I, I don't know what it is for you, but, but chances are the thing that you came up with, the thing that you would change about 2020 likely has something to do with you as the sole benefactor. I mean, here's the thing. As I look at, I wrote some of these down. The virus, the election, the economy, the racism, the riots, church, how church has been affected, spiritual, government, yeast. I mean, like you just think of all these different things that were changed or hard or or impossible to find. You look at all of these and you go, man, of all of these to change, isn't it kind of hard just to pick one? And to me, they just seem so complex. 
what do we do? What can we do? I mean, I think most of us in this room, we, we go, oh, there's not much I could do. I can't change. It's a dumb question, David. I can't change anything. No. But what if we could change something about how we live in the future? What if we could change something right now about how we relate to God? What if, what if we could change something? What if something in our hearts could change right now by taking a different posture, by having a different perspective of what God might be doing and what God might be stirring inside of us? Maybe, just maybe, he might give us a gift, maybe a realization of something that he's been up to the entire time that maybe we missed. This is why I'm so excited to get in. Uh, before I do that, I want to ask this question. The question goes like this. What is broken in your life right now? What's broken? Is something not functioning correctly? Is there like a relational brokenness that exists right now? Is there a loss in your life that you've recently incurred? Is there a, a job loss? Is there a transition? Is there marriage struggle, kids struggle, parent struggle, work struggle, economic struggle, retirement struggle? I mean, you name it. it what, what's broken in your life right now? I'll tell you a little bit about me. Blake said I had a rough week. I had a rough week. Uh, I had to do a funeral this week for my uncle who passed away. And uh, I didn't know I was doing the funeral until like a day and a half before the funeral. And they just said, would you come and would you be willing to do it? And so I drove down to Chicago and I tell you what, it was the hardest, it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do is to officiate a funeral for a family member while I watch my family in the front row just sob. That's pretty broken in my life right now. And after that, I, I, I get back on late Thursday night. Friday, it's kind of just a bad day. Saturday, I was doing some last-minute prep. So yesterday for this, getting ready. And I jump in my truck, and I'm like, I'm, I'm going hunting. I need to go hunting. I need to go out in the woods. I just need to sit. Maybe today's the day. The wind is good. I mean, all that for non-hunters, it's like wind actually plays a role in it. So I'm like, perfect. I can be invisible in the woods. Nothing will know I'm there. Nothing will smell I'm there, et cetera. And so I'm on my way out, and this car was driving so slow in front of me. I'm that guy. I tailgate to the point that Shannon, my wife, sits in the front and she says, you are being so rude right now. No, I'm not. I'm just communicating. <laughs> and so this car is going forever. He's taking so long. So he turns on his, his right turn signal and I'm about to turn right. And so I go, I'm just going to exercise some horsepower in my truck right now. And he turns right and I'm going, I, I turn right, but in the left lane. You know what I'm talking about? Like I'm communicating again. And so I gun it. I just pedal to the metal and I'm racing and there's a slight hill. And so I'm gunning it. And all of a sudden, like RPMs are flying and I hear this pop. And I start seeing smoke and steam everywhere. And it was in my car, not his. And I was like dreading watching him in the rearview mirror like, please don't pass me. Please don't pass me. Because now I'm on the side of the road. I had a rough day yesterday. I've had a rough week this week. I think many of us have had a rough year this year. What's broken in your life? Maybe it's relational in nature. Maybe it's financial in nature. Maybe, maybe it's just stuff. Stuff in your life is breaking. Maybe it's spiritual. Maybe there's a wrestling going on. Maybe there's a hardship going on. Maybe there's a struggle between you and God that's just getting worse and worse and worse this year. Maybe that's where you're at in the room. Maybe that's where you're at online. But here's the good news. I just I want to share some good news. If you go all the way back to the year 740 B.C., the, the book of Isaiah was written. It was a prophecy. So Isaiah was a prophet. If you go all the way back, the city, the time, the Israelite people, I mean, everything, it was a very hard season. 
It was a very hard season. It was full of bondage. It was full of pain. It was full of slavery. It was full of disunity. I mean, it, it, brokenness everywhere. I mean, in the entire people, in the entire country, the Israelite people, it was just broken. And so God speaks through Isaiah and says, I have a message to speak to those people. And here's what's so cool and here's what's so funny about it is the same message that God spoke to the Israelite people in 740 BC, God also said, I want this message preserved so that it can be said to us right now in this season. And it even ties into the Christmas story. So what we're going to read together is out of Isaiah chapter 61. And it goes like this, starting in verse 1. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Here's what Isaiah is writing. God's putting it on his heart. He's saying, pen these words. Isaiah saying, here he is, the spirit of the Lord is on me. I'm communicating right now. God is communicating through his people, through his prophet, to his people. And he says this, the Lord has anointed me. He's set me aside. He has chosen me to proclaim what kind of news? Good news. Good news. Not bad news. Not fake news. Good news. You know, the word gospel actually is translated, the translation of it is good news. So he's saying, hey, I'm about to proclaim good news. This is like gospel type news. Here's what he says. It's good news to the poor. Do you ever feel poor? I think so often our, our natural inclination is to jump to financial. I'm not poor. Or yes, I do feel poor. I mean, we, we just start thinking numbers. We start thinking bank account. We start thinking retirement. Any of you feel poor relationally? Any of you feel poor like when it comes to your faith? Any of you feel poor when it comes to hope? And if you feel poor just in any other realm or sphere of your life, you just go, I once was full. I just feel empty. I just feel poor. Here's what he says. God says, I, I have good news if that's you, if you identify. If you say, that's how I feel today, God says, I have good news for you. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. The brokenhearted struck home today. I mean, at least for me. I mean, when you bury a loved one and, and you grieve with your family and you watch the pain and the hardship, I mean, it just breaks your heart in a whole new level. Some of you have lost dearly this year. Some of you lost family members. Some of you lost friends. Some of you lost jobs. Some of you lost kids. I mean, I mean if we start talking brokenhearted, this, this captures a big chunk of our world right now. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives. I love freedom for the captives. What, what's holding you captive right now? Is it fear? Is it your rights? Entitlement? Is it greed? Is it addiction? Is it pain? What, what's holding you captive? God says through the prophet Isaiah, I, I've come to proclaim freedom for you. And, and then this, release from darkness for the prisoners. You feel just like you're, like you're just bound? 
Like you're in chains, like, like in different areas, different spheres of your life. You go, man, there's a lot of positivity. There's a lot of light. There's a lot of good news. And then there's the kind of the sphere that's just dark. There's this spot that just hurts. It's just painful. It's just, maybe it's evil. Maybe it's just broken, but, but there's darkness. Here's what God says through the prophet Isaiah. I've come to release from darkness the prisoners. That if that's where you are, if that's where you live, if that's where you find yourself today, I've come to release you to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God. Isn't it cool that we have something in common with the people in the Bible? That just gives me hope. Isn't it cool to know that sometimes when we think we're all alone and that we're the only people that have ever gone through anything like this ever, that we're actually reminded, oh no, this, th- there've been seasons, there've been cycles. Just as, as you track through humanity, there's been highs and there's been lows. I think for many of us, maybe this year feels like a low and it's why we just can't wait to get beyond. Isn't it nice to know that there's other people in scripture who related, who lived just like us? And this is what gives me hope. God actually had something to say to those people and he wanted it preserved so that it could be said to us. God says, I see you. I hear you. I feel your pain and I'm with you. And even more so, I I, I see the brokenness in our world. God says, I see it. I'm aware of it. I, I didn't create it. I, I created the world good and perfect and whole, but I wanted to give you, my people, my children, a choice. And it was that choice that started with Adam and Eve. We'll talk about it in a second. The choice that started with Adam and Eve that created brokenness, that created sin, that created disease, that created viruses, that created famines and hardship. That was the effect of the world. And what God says is, I see you, I hear you, I feel you. And by the way, it's not your job to fix it. Even though you broke it, it's not your job to fix it. I just was laughing this week as I was thinking about it, because this happens almost every time I preach. Sometimes I want to avoid certain topics that I preach about, because I know I'm going to have stories that relate to that. You know what I mean? So earlier this week, I went, what's broken in my life? And then by the end of the week, I went, that was a dumb question. I didn't want to answer that question. I didn't want to know the answer to that question. There's a lot of brokenness in my life. But here's the thing. Is God going to fix my truck? I mean, seriously. Thank you, Steve. No. Is, is God going to come down? Is he going to fix my truck? Is he, is he going to deliver a part? Is it not going to be there? I prayed last night. I said, Lord, please total it with an 18-point deer while it's sitting in my driveway. <laughs> it can't hurt, right? Why not? Is that going to happen? Probably not. I'm hoping. I'm praying. Would you join me? <laughs> I'm hoping. Likely not. Likely he's not going to do that. Some of you are saying, are you going to bring my dad back? Some of you are saying, am I going to get my job back? Am I going to get my child back? Am I going to get the security back? There's a piece of me now, God, that feels like has died. Am I going to get that back? I think some of us kind of release the fact that we go, God's not going to fix it the way I need it fixed, and so what do I do? I'm going to fix it myself. Is that ever you? This year, I've been so tired 
I've been so tired. Because it feels like when something breaks in my life, whose job is it to fix it? Mine. Right? If something breaks at work, I have to fix it. If something breaks at home, I have to fix it. When my truck decides to revolt against me last night, guess what I did for three and a half hours? And I'm still where I started, unfortunately. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever operate like that? When things break in your life, it, it, it all of a sudden becomes you, your job, your job to fix it, your job to mend it, your job to undo it, your job to balance things out. Christmas is known for being one of the most stressful times of year, especially in our country. Why? Why? Because all of the problems bubble up, all of the comparison, all of the relational brokenness, all of it. And I think we as people tend to step in and go, this is my job to fix it. And I think sometimes we're not even aware of our attempt to fix things. Here's what's funny. Do you know what that results in? I just wanted to articulate a couple of these. When I feel broke, when I feel empty, remember we were talking about poverty and the poor. When I, when I feel that way, when I try to fix that, do you know what, it, what I end up doing? I end up going broke in another area of life trying to fix that. If I'm broke financially, and then I start spending other time elsewhere trying to recoup a loss, I actually start doing damage to other areas of life. If I feel broken relationally, and I start going to other areas, I start breaking other things. When we try to fix our own issues when it comes to poverty, we actually start going broke in other areas. What if I'm brokenhearted? What do you do when you feel brokenhearted? How do you try to fix that? This has been my, my learning. As I try to fix my own heart, I'm just full of disappointment. And, and it begins this, this downward spiral. Man, it just hurts right now. If, if you don't know what that feels like yet, I mean, just wait. I hope you don't. But just wait. It's like you just keep going down. Disappointment, disappointment, disappointment. What's another one? Captivity. What do you feel like when you're just stuck? When you're captive? When you're in bondage, when you, when you can't break out, you can't fix, you can't stop, you can't start, you can't, you can't what, what, do you, what do you feel like when you're in captivity? For me, I just get frustrated beyond all get out because I can't break it. I can't get beyond it. I can't fix it. What about this one? Darkness. Sometimes I, I just lose hope. Sometimes it just feels like Satan, you're too big, you're too strong, you're just going to win. Do you know that if you have any of those in common, if you've thought any of that, felt any of that, realized any of that, maybe even this year, God has a message for you. And it's this, I know the world's broken. I know it is. I know the world's broken. In fact, I see the brokenness. I watch the brokenness. I feel the brokenness. I hear the brokenness. In fact, I am so well acquainted with the brokenness. I know more of the brokenness of our world than you do. And I'm going to do something about it. That it's not up to you to fix it. It's not up to you to undo it. It's actually up to me. So I want to go back to that question. What is broken in your life right now? This is going to be a really telling question here, the second one. What, what is broken in your life right now? As you go back, remember I asked you earlier, what, what's the thing that comes to mind? Is there something in your life that you say, this is broken? Second question is this, whose job is it to fix it? Whose job is it? I think most of us probably say, me. But you know what? I think some of us in here, 
think it's somebody else's job. I think a lot of us think it's the government's job. I think a lot of us think it's our family's job. I think a lot of us think it's our spouse's job, our boss's job, our company's job. I think a lot of us just keep looking for people to say, it is your job to fix what is broken in me and in my life. At the time of Isaiah's writing, everything was broken. Like their economy was in shambles. The people were just disunified. I mean, there was brokenness. I don't know if there was a virus. I don't know if there was health related, whatever. But just as far as the people goes, as far as the country, as far as as far as just families and relationships go, the the tribe of Israel, it was just broken. It was just, it, it was broken. And I can't imagine, like if you're there, transplant us back thousands of years, no more internet, no more cell phone, no more vehicles, but still all the same brokenness. I mean, can you you try to just put yourself, put your head in, in that situation? How do you respond? What do you do? What's, what's like the predominant emotion that you feel nonstop? I, this is funny. I, I didn't want to share this with you, but I'm going to share this with you. Um, do you know I see a counselor on a regular basis? Did you know that? I bet most of you didn't know that. I see a counselor on a regular basis because I've learned that my mentality, that my normal, my default is when things go, when things get broken, when things aren't functioning correctly, when things aren't the way that I want them in my life, I get mad, I get frustrated, and then I dive in and I try to take control and I try to fix it. You know how that breaks every other area of my life? Breaks everything. My counselor has been funny. It's like a weird dating relationship sometimes. You know what I mean? Like he's, we're in the office and in the first meeting I went, I I don't want to waste your time. And by that statement, I mean, I don't want to waste my time. So I I wrote up this short little document. I just wanted to give you a snapshot of who I am. So here's six pages of who I am. Here's who I'm mad at right now. Here's what I'm frustrated about. Here's what I'm upset about. Here's what I'm looking forward to. Here's things about my past. Here's other areas of relational brokenness. I just handed it to him, and he went, wow, this has never happened before. I said, yeah, what, what's it tell you about me? <laughs> I didn't want to know the answer to that question. And then, and then the second meeting, we, I, mean, I, I just kept walking out with, with crazy insight after crazy insight after crazy insight. And here's what I realized. When brokenness exists all around me, my natural inclination is to step in and try to fix it. I want to control it. I want to mend it. I want to repair it. I want to form it. I want to guide it. And I want to point it in the direction that I want it to go. And I think that's why 2020 has been such a, such a horrible year for so many people because it hasn't gone the way we wanted. Does that hit home for anybody? That the source of deep frustration, the source of pain, the source of brokenness and anger, that the source of it can't be fixed, at least not by us. When the Israelite people uh, made it to the promised land, so they were in bondage for about 400, 430 years. They were in bondage in Egypt. They were held slaves. They were held captive. And God sent Moses 
to Egypt to go before Pharaoh and say, let my people go. So Moses goes in, and there's a long story. There's a lot of plagues, but Pharaoh eventually lets his people go. And so Moses leads the Israelites into the wilderness. They spend about 40 years in the wilderness, and they enter into the promised land, and God gave them a way of doing life. In fact, the way of doing life is what he said is every seven years, you're to cancel all debts. How awesome would that be? I'd be buying a big house in year six. That's what I would be doing. I'd leverage everything, right? Every seven years, God said all debts would be canceled. The the whole land was broken up into equal divisions for all of the people. But God said every seven years, I want to give you just this reset. I don't want you to live in bondage. I don't want your family and your kids and your kids' kids and your grandkids and great-grandkids. I don't want you to just be sucked into bondage and pain and brokenness forever. I, I, I want to restore that for you. So every seven years, I want to do that. And then every, every seven, seven years, so every 49 years, it was a year called Jubilee. And it was where everything went back to normal. Everybody got the stuff that they had originally been given when they entered into the promised land. And everybody would return to the land that was originally given to them. That's what would happen in the Jubilee year. And so it's so funny. It's so funny to me because the Israelite people, as far as we can tell, didn't ever do it. Why? Why? I got a thought. Because it's a great deal if you make bad decisions. Amen? And it's a rough deal if you make good decisions. Fair enough? What about this? It's a great deal when life comes at you in a way you didn't expect. It's a bad deal when things just worked in your favor that elevated you, that gave to you, that allowed you to acquire things for things out of your control. When God sent the prophet Isaiah, he said, I came to proclaim good news to the poor and to the brokenhearted, and to those that were imprisoned. As Isaiah was writing this, what he was touching on is so important, is that all of us would eventually find our place in those categories. That we'd all eventually find ourselves bankrupt and in debt, imprisoned, in pain, suffering, struggling, broken. We would all eventually find ourselves there and in need of a savior. Adam and Eve, what's so funny is God created the world, he created it perfectly, and then he gave them the ability to choose. They ate of the fruit of the tree that God said, don't eat this, and they ate it because they wanted to be like him. And God said there's consequences for that. And the consequences spilled out and affected every part of our life. But catch this, God created a way of life for Adam and Eve, and they didn't do it. And it created brokenness. God created a way of life for the Israelite people. And they didn't do it. And it resulted in brokenness. God's created a way of life for us to live today in 2020. Are we living it? Or are we experiencing the effect of brokenness? It's it's a pattern. It's a season. It's a cycle. We do this over and over and over as humanity. Unless we can reach the point in which we realize that we are powerless to fix the brokenness in our midst, can we begin looking to the one who can? Let me say it a different way. That's a little easier to remember. It goes like this. 
You don't ask for a savior until you realize you need one. You know one thing I'm most grateful for about this year, 2020? It's reminded me how broken I am. It's reminded me how bankrupt I am. It's reminded me how frustrated I am, how easily swayed I am, how in different areas, how poor I am. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. Because God said, I'm going to send you a savior. I'm going to send myself in the person of Jesus. I'm going to send him on your behalf to do what you can't do. And sometimes we lose appreciation for the savior that God provided because we forget we need one. I wanted to close up here by reading the last bit of Isaiah 61. It goes like this. It says, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion. This is what God is saying to his people and to us. This is, this is what he's going to do. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You'll be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations. And in their riches, you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will receive rejoice in your inheritance. Catch that? You will rejoice in your inheritance, a weary world rejoices. This is where we got this. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them keeps going. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. It closes not with our action, but with his. Do you catch the message? Do you catch the, the promises? Do you, you catch God's response to his people saying, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make things right. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you whole. I'm going to make you right. I'm going to make you holy and righteous before me. I, I'm going to do this stuff. It, it's not up to you. The last example I just wanted to leave you with, uh, I wanted to show you one of my favorite pictures right now. This is a picture of Judah. This is my son. He's two. And uh, he doesn't need glasses. Those are, those are like blue light glasses that Shannon got. And so he put them on and he loves it. He started reading. It's kind of funny. He hasn't read until he had glasses. So who knows? But Judah, he's a squirt. He's a riot. I just, I absolutely love him. 
Um, but he's two years old. And so, I mean, it was like almost down to the day the terrible twos began. I mean, it, for those of you that have had kids or grandkids, I mean, you, you know what I'm talking about. Um, he just melts. He does this thing now where like if he doesn't get his way, he just kind of slumps and goes dead in the water and he just lays there and he screams. And you go, your life is so easy. Do you know that? Your life is not hard at all. You're the only grandchild on both sides. You have no needs. Zero. He sat in the car with me. Shannon walked into Hobby Lobby this, this last week. She's like, I just need one thing. He sat in the car with me in the parking lot and just screamed the entire time. And I go, you think it's bad in here? Go in there. Trust me. <laughs> Grow up. You're fine. Here's what's funny. Like with Judah, I mean, it, as his dad, his problems seem so small. You know what I mean? They just seem insignificant to me. You know, like his worst day is, no, you can't have another cookie. I mean, just slump and tantrum, and that's his worst day. And then I started thinking about, how does God see me? You know what's funny? I think our problems seem very small to God. Not in a demeaning sort of way. Not that we're just throwing tantrums and we're just throwing a fit and not getting our way. I think our problems are significant. I think they matter to God. I think, I think he feels that for us. But I think they're, they're insignificant to him because of his infinite resources, because of his infinite knowledge, because of his infinite power. I can look at Judah and say, I can fix whatever issue you're having. I'm your dad. I can do anything for you. Relax. I feel like I could hear the same thing from our Heavenly Father saying, I got this. Relax. Put your hope in me. Trust me. Follow me. Put your hope in your confidence, not in yourself, but in me. I just want to leave you with these two questions. The first one is this, what have you been trying to fix? What are you trying to fix? In your life, in your family, in your marriage, in your job, whatever it is, what are you trying to fix? The second question is much harder. Are you willing to let God fix it his way? Because he's there, he's available, he's willing and he's loving if you'll let him. Father, we just come before you. Our world is broken. It's not a surprise. Father, we're hurting. Father, just as we look at different areas of life, even as I just reflect on my own life this week, I, there's just pain, Lord. There's hurt. There's frustration. Father, it's like everywhere we look, it's like, oh, something else is broken. Something else is broken. Something else is broken. What we just pray for, Father, is that we wouldn't get frustrated, that we wouldn't take ownership of our problems, but that we would own who we are and our inability to fix ourselves and to fix this world, that we would own that and we would come before you like a toddler to his daddy. Saying, Father, would you help? Would you meet me? Would you take care of me? Would you provide for me? Father, we're so grateful that you love us. And we're so grateful that you didn't make it our issue.
to solve the world's problems. We're grateful that you made it yours. And so we thank you for your son, Jesus, today. We are especially grateful for the sacrifice he made on the cross on our behalf. We love you. We invite you into our mess to do with it what you will. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen.